Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market doctor's kitchen recipes health lifestyle welcome to the doctor's kitchen podcast the show about food lifestyle medicine and how to improve your health today i'm dr rupee your host i'm a medical doctor i study nutrition and i'm a firm believer in the power of food and lifestyle as medicine join me and my expert guests where we discuss the multiple determinants of what allows you to lead your best life. This is a special episode because it's sponsored by Nuffield Health, the UK's largest healthcare charity, whose purpose is to build a healthier nation, connecting your health and well-being through a range of services across gyms, clinical and emotional well-being services, which is why I'm so proud to be working with them. And for more than 60 years, Nuffield Health have been working to make the nation fitter, healthier, happier, and stronger by encouraging more people to join their 114 fitness and wellbeing centers across the UK. So in this episode, myself and Paul Johnson, who is the clinical fitness lead at Nuffield Health and registered graduate sport rehabilitator, will be exploring how we can introduce small daily habits to our life to ensure we're making healthier choices across 2022 because how you feel tomorrow starts today. Paul is accountable for the quality assurance of Nuffield Health's charitable flagship programs and the professional leadership of their rehabilitation specialists. Prior to his current role, Paul was a fitness and wellbeing manager at a Nuffield Health gym and before that spent many years as a personal trainer helping clients achieve their health and fitness goals. He's actually gone through his own fitness journey and health journey actually which we get into at the start which I think will resonate with a lot of you. Paul and I will be sharing some easy accessible tricks which will help you get started on your wellness journey in 2022 as it pertains to physical activity and these include things like getting into the psychology of why you want to start a fitness regime and determining what those motivations are and then also scaling down that routine into achievable steps, myself included. I, I certainly come across a lot of people that try and achieve too much in too short a time. And actually, if you want to create something that's sustainable, you definitely need to scale it down. We also talk about the small changes that add up to your total energy expenditure over 24 hours and why that's critical. And also what to do when you inevitably fall off the wagon like we all do, whether it's because of events festivities time of year etc 
and laying the foundation for routines and exercise appointments. I love this term, exercise appointments, that will keep you going in the right direction. And these have been pretty pivotal for myself as well. This is a quick, short, sharp episode, so let's dive in. So Paul, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. We're going to be talking about making a head start on your health and wellness. But before we get into that, I really want to know a bit more about yourself and how you started in health and fitness and uh, and and your position now as the as the as the lead. Yeah, sure. Oh, thanks for having me first of all. And I guess my uh, my pursuit in health and fitness kind of goes way back to childhood. So I, uh, I grew up in a sort of classic overweight family. So mum and dad struggled with weight. Um, my sisters did. Um, the family dog struggled with weight. Um, and then eventually, of course, I did as well. Um, at 13 years old, I was actually 86 kilos. Um, and I think at the time, I didn't really appreciate quite how overweight it was until um, I saw myself actually on a, on a sort of school film um, at poolside on a trip that we'd done. And then I, I kind of went on a pursuit at that age to try and get in a bit better shape. So I stole my mum's diet book, um, kind of worked from that and managed to lose a fair bit of weight, started boxing as well. So started getting into sport and then it just kind of escalated. So um, I think once I lost a little bit of weight, I got the, the bug for it, got more confident, did more sport and then kind of carried that through my childhood up until my probably my sort of late teens, early 20s. I actually found myself in a number of office jobs. Um, also found alcohol at that point because I was 18. Um, stopped doing as much sport, was a li- lot more sedentary because I was sat down um, and then found I put the weight back on and then spent another couple of years kind of battling with that and then got back into sport, um, started losing a bit of weight and gradually educated myself um, all the way up until probably late 20s uh, when I finally did my level three in personal training. Um, and then from that point, I bit the bullet and then jumped across to the fitness industry. Mm, mm. I I suspect your story, particularly the the bit about how you came from an overweight family, really resonates with a lot of people because I, you know we are really products of our environment. And I guess if everyone in your household, including the dog, which is a really interesting uh, observation, was overweight, I, I guess you know it would have been very hard for you to break out of that norm. Yeah, it, it was, and I think. You know, my my mum, bless her, she, you know, she was fairly old school. She did all the cooking um, and, you know, and she she had me quite late in life. So she almost came from that post-war generation, I think, where, you know, sort of food was, you know, a celebration almost. And, you know, we grew up working class. There wasn't a lot of money. So, you know, sort of pretty much every occasion the the food came out. Um, And I think because my parents were overweight, you know, it's relative, isn't it? So I was overweight, but actually compared to my parents, um, relatively speaking, I was, you know, in their eyes at least, wasn't overweight. So I think I had that battle with my parents initially where I was like, look, I, I want to lose weight. I, you know, and, and they were like, mm, you know, don't be silly. We're overweight. You're not. You don't need to worry. There's nothing of you. When actually when I was then at school with my, my peers and my colleagues at school, um, I was clearly, you know, the bigger child. So, so, yeah, it was a little bit of a challenge there for sure. Yeah, did, did you get bullied at school as well? Was that? Yeah, it wasn't severe. It wasn't too bad, but um, definitely teasing. Um, and I think it was it was probably a combination of that teasing, and then uh, also seeing myself from a different angle. Essentially, the shot that I saw of myself was shirtless at poolside from the back, an angle that I'd never seen. And um, 
before I realised it was actually myself I was looking at, naturally I was nudging my mate and giggling myself. And I turned around and realised it was me I was giggling at. So that was a right. bit of an eye-opener. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And do, do you think your experience with uh, being overweight yourself gives you uh, a unique edge with, with your day job now? Because I imagine you, you're dealing with a lot of people who have gone through similar journeys or are going through similar journeys to, to yours. Yeah, I think it does. A lot of my my fitness colleagues have, you know, come from sporting backgrounds and, you know, although I did a little bit later in life, but I've never suffered and, and never struggled with the, with being overweight. And I think there's definitely something to be said for, you know, sort of family eating habits and finding yourself in a position where you are overweight and then you kind of set yourself up in, in some ways to a life a lifetime struggle. Yeah. Um, so it's great. You can educate yourself. Um, you know, you can get yourself in shape. But I always find that, you know, those old learned habits that I had as a child are still there. Um, and I have an appreciation of that. So when I'm working with individuals, I understand that actually sometimes there is an emotional attachment with food. Um, you know, that there was a point in my life where I really wanted to make a change, but just had no knowledge or no ability to make the right decisions because there was so much information available. And this was going back in the 90s. It's even worse now with, with social media. But it's just knowing where to start, I think, sometimes and, and knowing what the right thing to do is. And I can, I can appreciate that because I've been there. You mentioned their old habits. I wonder, do, do, you, do you find it a daily struggle to, to make sure that you keep your, your diet on the straight and narrow, you keep exercising? Or is it, has it become so habitual now that it's, it, it's just what you do? Or, or is it something that you constantly have to remind yourself? Yeah, it goes through phases. Um, so it depends when, when in the year you ask me, I think. So uh, right, right now it's a daily struggle um, yeah. because I'm, I'm still, you know, there's obviously been the lockdown periods, um, sort of Christmas, New Year, and, uh, you know, sort of January didn't go quite as well as hope. So currently there's still some, some sort of daily struggles, but I, I can get myself into a position where I have made enough changes and established enough small habits that actually it becomes second nature. And then day to day, it's not too much of a concern. But it only takes, you know, a holiday or festive period, about a week or two uh, yeah. of, of being slightly overindulgent and then very quickly back to, you know, not square one, but certainly back to that, you know, having to pay attention a little bit closer. Yeah. What, what are the specific things that you struggle with personally? Sorry to make it so personal at the start, but I'm just interested in, uh, in everyone's journey. Yeah, um, I think definitely alcohol is a bit, of a, a bit of one for me at the moment, but I think that's probably just the time of year. Um, you know, and I think like a lot of people, I'll, I'll maybe drink a little bit more than I should on occasion. Um, but then it's, you know, being, you know, it's sort of touching on the door of 40 now. The hangovers last a couple of days. And certainly while I'm drinking in the days to follow, it seems like my choices around making good food or my decisions around making good food choices are definitely hindered. Um, yeah. And I think it's just that slight impulsive behavior at times where I still will find myself, especially now with all the apps available to order fast food, it's so difficult, where, you know, you'll hit your thumb a couple of times and something's on its way, you've spent the money, you know, and you don't want to waste because you grew up in a house where you don't waste food. Um, yeah. So while you've ordered now, you might as well eat it. So it's those sorts of little things. Yeah, yeah. And no, you're right, it's become so much harder today where you're not just fighting with impulses, you're fighting with the ability to order food at the touch of a button or a swipe of your phone. Um, so it's, I, yeah, I agree. It's become increasingly harder and w the alcohol thing that, that really resonates with me, particularly during the pandemic, when I was essentially working full time, I got into the habit of having a drink at the end of the day, which is very unlike me as well. 
Um, but that actually led to me putting on a lot of weight over that period of time, um, as well as the other indulgences of like bread and sugar and all the rest of it. So yeah, no, I, I think a lot of people would struggle with that. And probably something I need to spend a bit more time thinking and talking about on the podcast, because alcohol for lots of people is something that um, it doesn't, that there's, there's a, there's an in-between issue with alcohol. I think, you know, outside of the extremes of where there's a, a problem where it's a, a daily issue. Um, but I, I think certainly when it comes to the amount of empty calories that people are consuming, alcohol is definitely a, a big cause. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think um, there probably isn't an appreciation for how many, how many of their calories are on alcohol. I mean, you know, a pint's what, 200 ish, bottle of wine five to 600 and you do that a few times a week it soon adds up and then you know as we've already touched on i think once you've then done that you will then probably have secondary things that are coming in because you're now making poor choices because you're hungover or because you're drunk um and i think it's even harder now as well because we're coming out of a pandemic and the restrictions are easing off we want to go out and see our friends again you know yeah. and it's being british we drink and we want to go out and socialize and and it's suddenly becoming very difficult now because we're suddenly putting ourselves back in these social situations and these settings that potentially we hadn't been in previously. Um, you know, even if you're not a big drinker, it's a, it's a nice social, uh, social lubricant. So you're going to have a couple and that can often escalate, of course. So, um, so yeah, it's tough. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah. And I think um, you're right about the cultural element. It's sort of habitual to always go for a pint or for, for a drink. I, I'm being a lot more intentional, actually, whenever I meet my friends, particularly my, my medical colleagues, about uh, making a point of not drinking, actually, and choosing the, the vast selection of non-alcoholic drinks that there are these days, particularly in London anyway. Um, and I think that that definitely has an impact. You, you've got a, a child as well, right? A two-year-old as well. Yeah, right? he's two in four months now, I think. Yeah, so okay. uh, yeah, yeah, little man. He's uh, yeah, he can make it difficult as well. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. <laughs> Although he does stop you drinking a little bit because you you know it's, it's not responsible to be drunk like looking after a child, but um, certainly from a, a time to exercise point of view, um, yeah. it does make it a lot more difficult, and, and that's been another challenge as well. I mean, it's. It's a, it's a double-edged sword because in one sense, he almost makes you accountable. Um, you know, you look at him and he's already running rings around me. So I'm already very aware that I want to try and keep up with him. And I look at my own parents who are, you know, still alive, but do struggle with their mobility and their health because of the weight issues over the years. Um, and I certainly want to find myself in a position where I am older and I'm able to keep up with him. Um, you know, and he's, he's, yeah, he's full of beans, but equally it, it kills like the spontaneity in your life having a child so it's really difficult yeah. to go actually do you know what i'm fine i'm, I'm suddenly in a mood now to go for a run i'm gonna go for a run you might feel like it but you can't because you've got a child at home but i think he's at that age thankfully now where you can actually get out i can get him on a balanced bike or on a trike and try and make you know a family activity so if i if i want to get out and be more active whether it's walking or even a you know a light jog you know i can take him with um, you know, weather dependent and and sort of you know tantrum dependent, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. So I, I want to give um, uh, the listeners a unique perspective into you know we've we've got some time here and we've got unlimited uh, uh, different topics that we can talk about with a, a very experienced personal trainer. So you you've got insight into the challenges that a lot of people uh, face. I mean, you've got personal experience, obviously, with the things that we've just discussed uh, with. with children and your own uh weight journey um but what what kind of things do do you commonly see propping up whenever you speak with new clients or existing clients about 
the obstacles that they face when trying to make healthier choices? Yeah, I think that there's, there's so many to mention. I mean, um, you know, I guess from a nutritional standpoint, it's, you know, it's the ease in which food's now available. Um, you know, I, I, we touched on it already, but that's become so much more worse now following the pandemic because we've now seen this, this massive explosion of apps uh, where you can order food, um, which makes it very easy. So I think that's challenging. I think the amount that people are working now makes it difficult. I think also the working from home is a real challenge for people currently. Um, you know, they, they tend to work more hours because they're at home, um, you know, and they don't get very good at switching off their laptop at 5.30 or whenever their day might end. And those sort of that work-life balance gets blurred a little bit. Also, I think the fact they're potentially working from home a lot more, um, you, you find that people are, you know, it's bad enough when we just walk to the car and back each day or the tube and back, but that's sometimes not happening now, yeah. right? So yeah. people are just getting so inactive. Um, and I think there's a number of people that have maybe been fit previously and they've kind of regressed so much that they try and do even sort of half of what they did previously. And it's, it's, it just feels awful because, you know, you'll know that fitness is a journey and you start slow and you build up. But sometimes if you jump in maybe where you left off, you know, sort of three, six, 12 months ago, it feels very different if you haven't done it. And I think that can be quite off-putting for people as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like a psychological barrier, isn't it? Where you've been able to do something prior and then you try and go 50, 60%. And if you can't do that, it's pretty demoralizing, I, I imagine. Um, and I guess, you know, we're, we're going to go into some tips specifically about how people get into that flow of exercising. But before we do, what, what are the reasons that you hear about for when it comes to the reasons as to why people want to kickstart their health journey in the first place? Um, what, what are those motivating factors that people sort of at least express vo verbally that they, they hook on to to start their own health, health and fitness journey? Yeah, good question. I think it depends on the time of year. Um, I think right now it's, it's similar to sort of pre-summer where people actually just want to lose a little bit of weight. Um, you know, all of their clothes have miraculously shrunk in the, in the cupboard over the last sort of couple of months and they've realized that so they want to try and make them fit again. Um, so I think there's, you know, there's, there's that, I think certainly going into the summer months, there's always, you know, the beach holidays. And I think this year, because we're, we're maybe looking, but there might be an opportunity to have a, an actual holiday for the first time for many people in, in a couple yeah. of years. Um, but I think probably a big one now, if I'm honest, is, is what we've seen over the last couple of years. You know, it's, it's about actually being overweight and, and having maybe sort of pre-existing medical conditions, um, you know, can, can make it you know, quite difficult when you're facing something like we've had in the last couple of years. Um, so I think people are now a lot more health conscious on the back of that. Um, so I think it's a combination of, you know, looking good, feeling good. Um, but I think there's definitely that undertone now where people are aware of their health a lot more because of what we've experienced in the last couple of years. Um, and That's I think super interesting. Yeah. And I think it's about people just, um, I guess, not preparing because touch wood, we won't go through this again in our lifetime, but preparing for anything that does come up in the future where, you know, being fit and healthy is an advantage. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess there's two ways of uh, essentially conceptualizing what the driving factors are for people wanting to start their fitness journey. You've got one that is out of fear, which I, I guess is probably uh, increased quite a bit given what we know about the associations between obesity and poor health comes in general, but particularly as it pertains to um, infectious diseases. 
And then you have that sort of aspirational drive as well. We want to try and get to a certain area so such that, you know, whether it's social validation or feeling good about yourself when you go on your first holiday, they're both genuine reasons, but, but it's interesting to know that there are, you know, there's, there's probably perhaps, perhaps a bit more of the fear side that you, you've seen in your experience. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree that the two good ways of, of kind of summarizing, I guess, but, um, you know, and I, I imagine in time, you'll probably see less of the fear and more of the, the sort of social validation and, yeah. you know, more of the, the sort of, you know, not that that fear is a bad reason. Maybe it is, but you know what I'm saying? I guess people are training through sort of, you know, wanting to improve opposed to just protecting themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So in your position, you know, clinical fitness national lead for Nuffield Health, what, what, what do you suggest as a starting point towards an active lifestyle? Do, do you do you go in straight away with like tips of like how they can start moving straight away, or do you do you look at this perhaps the psychology as to like finding out what those motivating factors are, uh, such that you can sustain? What, what what's your methodology? I'd love to know. Yeah, it's it's almost a bit of both actually. So it's probably more to start with psychological. Um, I think understanding the why for for anything that we do is is really powerful for for keeping us motivated. Um, and I think at the moment as well, I think it's, it's about, yeah, getting that mindset right and, and maybe sort of almost sort of developing a bit of self-efficacy as well. So it's, it's having a chat with somebody about why they wanted to achieve it, but also just helping them develop that, that confidence that they actually have control over their choices and they can make those, those good decisions. So I think once we've, we've established that, it's also about then reining them in a little bit because, you know, it's about setting sort of realistic goals initially um, you know, we don't want to set ourselves up to fail because that's a good reason then to quit. So it's about, you know, making sure their head's right. It's about making sure what they're outlaying is, is a realistic, achievable goal. Um, you know, over the years, I've had people come, come and talk to me about all sorts of crazy weight loss targets. And, you know, I think the job as, as a good personal trainer is to say, wait, that's, you know, that's, let's break down those numbers a little bit. And that means you're going to be eating this much, which is not a lot at all. Is that actually realistic for you? No, probably not. So let's not do that. Um, and then I think finally, it's, it's I guess, it's um, managing their expectations as well. And it's helping them understand that it's, you know, you, the, the people, you're going to mess up. You know, you're going to, you, it's not going to be smooth sailing. You're going to have bad days. Um, and that's absolutely fine. You know, we, we all have an off day. And if, you know, if you have an off day, that's not a reason then to have a bad week or a bad month and stop self-sabotaging. But just, it is what it is. It's a bad day. Let's carry on and, and keep continuing. So, I think the initial conversation from a psychological point of view always kind of goes in that direction for me. Yeah, it's really interesting you say that because that definitely resonates with my experience in clinic. Um, the And I think it's something to do with living in this world, which is full of instant gratification. You know, we, we have those apps on our phones that gives us food straight away. When we want to be entertained, we don't have to wait for the movies to turn up on the TV anymore. We can just go and download it straight away. And so the expectation kind of filters into various other aspects of our life, like the ability to turn our weight upside down or, you know, it, from a clinical perspective, it's, you know, the time it takes for uh, a condition to revert itself or the ramifications of perhaps having post-viral symptoms, all these different things, you know, within reason we have to be a lot more patient. And, I, and I, I guess you see this quite a bit when it comes to weight, especially when it's against the backdrop of a lot of um, 
plans and you know some erroneous pills that you find online which are promising the results a lot quicker than is actually realistic yeah it's yeah it's so true and i think certainly with social media now and you know the various sites where you, you will see these individuals on there um like you say maybe trying to sell a particular product or get followers or whatever they're trying to do sort of presenting themselves in, in a way that's definitely unattainable for for most people um and then I think there's, you know, there's that general mindset um, in regard to maybe sort of from the, the nutrition perspective about calorie intake or whatever, but then also from a physical perspective, you talked about being in clinic. And I guess from like a, an injury point of view, um, you see all the time in sport injury clinics where, uh, you know, it would be maybe February, you'll see someone hobbling. Uh, they complain about, I don't know, a sore Achilles, it's a bit inflamed. You know what's happened already, but you ask the question, what you've been doing? Oh, I've gone from doing nothing to running 20 miles a week. And now they've got a reactive tendinopathy and you will know that we have to, to treat that. You have to offload it, stop them training yeah. and build up. And that, of course, will kill someone's momentum. It, it ruins their training plan and it can really take the wind out of someone's sails. So I think it's important to, to kind of manage both the, the mindset around it, but also the programming and the amount they're actually doing as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm loving inside because that's exactly what happened to me a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> so I, I've been working on my app for weeks and weeks and it was getting to launch. And then I decided to go back to my normal regime of exercising that I hadn't done for a couple of weeks. And I I thought I'd done my rotator cuff, but luckily uh, the ultrasound showed it negative. It was negative. So it was likely to be a bursitis. But it was, I was around in a little sling for a good week. And everyone's like, oh, what happened? I was like, well, I was one of those typical people that just overegged it way too much at the start of the year. <laughs> um, so, so I think, yeah, managing expectations is really good. Sit, sitting down and, and looking at your goals and being realistic about them and breaking them down. I think that's brilliant. When it comes to the psychology of even getting people into that, that habit, like for me, I, I find it super easy now because my day is anchored by a couple of things. It's um, meditation in the morning, my wake up routine, and I move, I have to move, I have to do exercise. And now shoulder mobility is part of my regime as well. So um, how, do, how do you entice people to get into this way of, of moving uh, that's natural rather than something that is a, a chore or, or pain to, to opt into? Yeah, you, you used the word then, which was routine. Um, and I think that's really important. I think... You know, we are very busy and um, I think if we could try and build sort of healthy habits around our, our normal routine, um, then that really helps sort of maintain uh, sort of longer term changes. Um, you know, and I, I guess from a goal perspective, it's maybe starting with some shorter term behavioral goals opposed to outcome goals. So rather than think about what, what do we want to achieve, what dress size or weight do we want to be in two months, three months and fixating on the end result. And we kind of just also talked about that, that sort of instant gratification, which you don't get in health and fitness. It's just not there. So instead of that, think about setting behavioral goals. So it might be that actually for the next two weeks, um, during my lunch break, I'm going to get up Monday to Friday and go for a 30 minute walk. Um, so I think it's sometimes about building in those little, those little habits in and around existing habits um, over a period of time. And then once you've established those little things and you're a little bit more active and you're a little bit, more inclined into be being more active then you maybe then reinforce that with more of an outcome goal which will then hopefully give somebody you know a, a bit a bit of direction and, a, and an end date and more motivation and to stay active yeah i love that so so we, we've established uh the 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 reasons as to why someone's starting their exercise in the first place and managing those expectations you instigate a routine 
and then you start looking at those more specific end goals. Have I got that right? Yeah. So the the, re- the routine, I guess, is built around sort of short term behavioral goals. Um, and then once we've got those established and they become a little bit more second nature, um, then we start looking about the, the sort of medium long term goals, which are typically more outcome driven. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk a bit more about those routines. So you've, you've got a, a word I've got written down here is uh, the exercise appointment. I like that. Uh, and hopefully it's something that people attend as well. Let's talk a bit more about exercise appointments and how you use them. Yeah, so, so a great one at the moment is, um, is the commute, right? So especially if we're working from home. Yeah. Um, so both from a physical and, and kind of mental perspective, I think this is, this is really good. So, and I stole this off a co- colleague, so I can't take credit for it, sadly. Um, but at the end of your working day, especially if you're working from home, this, this really applies. Um, Typically, you, you close your laptop down at 5.30 and then you're still there and you might still jump on your emails. Whereas in the past, we would have come home from the office. Um, and certainly for me, if you see me commuting, I'll be slack-jawed, staring off into space and I'm processing my thoughts for the day. So from a mindfulness point of view, that's really, that's really helpful for me. Um, so a good appointment now is at the end of your day, if you're working from home or if you're in an office, um, to actually get up and, and do like a walking commute. So actually, at the end of the day, get up, go for a thirty-minute walk, or, or whatever you can manage. That's that sort of that sort of freedom time in the mind to kind of process your ideas, and then also you get in your sort of daily activity as well. So I think one example is that. I think that's a that's a great thing to do. Um, yeah, no, that's good. That that that's great. I'm definitely going to use that myself. I'm actually I usually use a standing desk. I'm just a bit tired today, so I'm <laughs> sat down here. But uh, I I try and make the effort to to stand up at my desk most of the day, um, just to in, enhance sort of that. You know, the, the the energy expenditure of standing up is is amazing, and it's really good for my posture. And I've got long term back issues, so that that's really good for that. Are there any other ways in which people can introduce small changes during the day, uh, particularly if they do work in sedentary jobs, like a lot of us, a lot of us do? Yeah, so there's there's a few other things we can do. I mean, there's the the well, I say they're obvious, so they seem obvious, but they maybe not be. But you know, set, setting timers on your phone, um, so that's a really easy one to get up and go. My uh, my smartwatch, it's not a smartwatch, is a, a Garmin actually. Um, uh, that shouts at me every hour to oh, to get up and move. The However, I need to learn not to ignore it because that's a bad habit that I've got where it, it buzzes, tells me to get up and move, and then I don't actually move. So um, it's about listening to your watch, I guess, is one habit. Another good thing that you can do, which ties a little bit in with sort of better nutrition as well, is, is drinking a little bit more during the day. Um, and I'm, I've been terrible for this, you know, sort of sporadically over the years. But when I'm working and I'm busy, I just don't drink enough water. Um, if you drink more water, obviously the health benefits speak for themselves with that, but also you'll wee more. So that's going to result in you getting up and moving around to the toilet. And, and I think for some people listening, they might think that just sounds like a massive inconvenience. But actually, from a productivity point of view, if we are up and we're away from our screen for even five, 10 minutes, you know, by the time you come back, you'll probably find you're a little bit more productive. So I think it will pay dividends. So that's, a, that's another habit I try and try and do at the moment. Yeah, I used to, um, before clinic and before ward rounds, I used to, down a whole load of water um, before because I'd never got the chance to uh, drink during ward runs and stuff. And that actually kept me hydrated. I, I found that was really useful for me, but I did have to keep on excusing myself to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good example actually, because I, you know, I'm talking largely around, you know, office-based workers, but of course, 
you know, medical professionals and clinicians, you know, it is, it is a different challenge. Um, you know, if you are on the wards and, and trying to get in sort of enough water and, you know, eat regularly enough so that you don't then binge in the evening, it's, it's a real challenge. And, um, yeah, I guess depending on where you're working and, and the leniency and the time and the staff that you've got around you, We'll dictate that, but that's a good idea, actually, just trying to get in first, or at least it's done. <laughs> yeah, first thing, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I came across some studies, actually, looking at the psychology of exercise in itself, because the, um, the very act of like being in a uh, relatively uh, busy job, like even cleaners working in uh, hotels or offices themselves, and they're pushing around these quite heavy buckets and, and uh, carriages and, and all the rest of it, you know, that, that is a form of exercise. And I think it's just the psychological switch that people need to make for them to actually realize some of the benefits as well. And there are some studies about when they're trained to understand what they do every day as exercise, they actually lose weight without any change in the, the calorie output at all, which is super interesting. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a fascinating point. And yeah, I think that's it. I think just standing up, as you say, sort of a, a sort of stand-up desk, going to the toilet more often, taking a lunchtime walk, you know, and then, of course, we've got the, the others, which is, you know, if you are in an office, take the stairs. You know, if, you're, if you've got a big company car park, park at the back and walk that distance in and out. Um, you know, if you are in a position to walk to and from work, even better. Um, you know, maybe use public transport a little bit more so you're walking. So there's a number of things you can do throughout the day just in and around your actual job, you know, which will make you more active. And then, you know, those that are actually doing slightly more manual work, they've they've naturally got that that's all built into their, their day's work so it's a little bit easier for those people i guess yeah yeah absolutely and i, and I guess everything that we're talking about with all these small changes whether it be standing desks or, or getting more often that all comes uh, it's all explained by neat uh, calories right so these non-exercise activity thermogenesis um can we talk a bit more about about that and how you try and get that into your into your clients yeah yeah definitely so um yeah, I guess it's sometimes just trying to explain to them a little bit around, you know, sort of your BMR versus total daily energy expenditure and and how much of that, that sort of those extra calories are made up through, not, not through exercise, um, actually just through that day-to-day movement. Um, and I think sometimes just educate, edu- educating people on the why around that will just give them enough of a reason to, to get up and go. Um you know, if you, I don't have the numbers to hand, um, but I know obviously, you know, sitting down, lazing about, you know, you're pretty much, you know, the metabolic, metabolic equivalent of that to your BMR is pretty much bang on one. Whereas if I think we're up standing, I think it's maybe closer to two, like 1.8, somewhere around there. Um, and then walking, it goes up and up. And I think when you can, you know, break that down a little bit more for people and give them an understanding of actually the difference that it's making, you know, from a numbers point of view, that really helps with people. Um, you know, I guess the advantage that I've got working one-to-one is I've got the time to do that. But on a larger scale, um, again, it's just about increasing the, the the kind of the different ways that we can do that. Um, yeah. You know, and I guess layering it with other things as well. So even from a mobility point of view, our, you know, our muscles get a little intolerant of, of lengthening or stretching, you know, if they're, if they're shortened for prolonged periods, you know, which stiffens you up throughout the day. So, you know, if we can kill two birds with one stone, that's even better, right? So if we can burn more calories through neat, we can also keep our mobility a little bit more in check by moving more as well. And that's, that's uh, you know, another reason to do it. Yeah, when I came across this concept of non-exercise uh, activity thermogenesis, it was kind of revolutionary for me because I always just um, 
this is going back a few years ago, I always just think, you know, exercise in the gym, that's what's going to uh, create the most value. But actually, when you look at the numbers uh, and the proportion of what energy you expend throughout the whole day, a lot of it does come out through all the thing, all the menial things that we're doing. And that all adds up. So it might sound a bit funny to like, you know, drink water. So you go to the toilet more often, you're getting up, but all those little micro actions actually uh, conspire to give you a more uh, active lifestyle, which as you said, is not just good from a weight control point of view, but it's also good from the, uh, the muscle shortening point of view as well and general mobility, which I certainly know, need more of myself. Yeah, but no, it's, it's a really good point. And um, yeah, I think it's that, that term, isn't it? An exercise in couch potato. I think, you know, if you look at the, the total daily energy expenditure, you know, unless you're training for hours and hours and extremely hard, which most normal people aren't, let's be honest. Um, yeah, it's such a small amount of your daily calorie burn comes from actual purposeful exercise. Um, the rest of it is, is massively around that movement. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and the final thing I want to talk about is um, this this concept of building support around your exercise habits as well. Because I mean, I found it pretty pretty revelationary for me quite early on to always go to the gym with a buddy, and that way you have accountability, and it's just a lot more enjoyable as well. Particularly when you go to the gym for the first time, it can be quite intimidating. Where you see a lot of people individually, and they seem to know what they're doing. Uh, I certainly was not that person when I when I started off. So. Yeah, d- 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 talk to us a bit, a bit about about that that support element. Yeah, so I guess you can look at this several ways. So, I mean, you've got you're going back to our goals. I think making yourself accountable and maybe sharing those with people is is always a great way to do that. Um, I think also exercise can be boring depending on what you're doing. So, finding a buddy, like you said, is, is great. Um, but I think also it's it's sometimes you know a good idea to maybe to, to look at getting advice from an expert as well. Um, because they create that sort of social support, that accountability. But they also, you mentioned it then about going to the gym and being confused. I'm not confused, but looking at other people and thinking, yeah. is that actually what I should be doing or what I shouldn't? And I think, you know, the first place people go to at the moment is they'll they'll go online, they'll go on the social media platforms and start having a look to see what the best thing to do is. And some of the information is great and it's very evidence-based, but there's some, of course, that's the opposite and it contradicts that. And it can be very confusing. Um, and I think one of the biggest reasons that people quit exercise or anything is that feeling of incompetence, right? So if you're finding yourself confused and you're chopping and changing, you don't know what to do eventually, you're just going to probably just give up on the idea. So I think sometimes, you know, finding somebody who's maybe, you know, already quite savvy around exercise or engaging with an expert or a personal trainer, um, I think is a great way to build in some social support, but also just offer a bit of clarity around the sort of training you're doing. Um, just to remove that 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 fear of incompetence um yeah so i think that's that's one element you can do um i think something that's worked for me really well over the years is is i guess not so much the type of exercise but actually thinking about joining uh clubs or um you know sort of for me it was martial arts i did a lot of that and that was great because you've got a massive social element there's a big community feel around it you know, people at various stages of their exercise journey or their fitness journey or their martial arts journey. So typically you will have these people that are doing really well and you'll chat to them and they'll explain that they were where you are now, you know, six, 12 months ago. You've got other people that are new to it as well. Um, and I find with a lot of those sort of things as well is there's a coaching element, um, you know, whether it's coaching movement through group exercise or technique in martial arts. So you're also, you've got that that, that sort of social support, that community element, but also that that learning and engagement feel for it as well. 
Yeah. yeah. How important is it to vary up your exercise? I'll give you an example. I do mobility and stretching pretty much most days because I have to. Um, but I try and do a mixture of uh, HIIT training, cardio, and strength. But I've given up actually weights because I don't do weights anymore because of my back and stuff. Um, but yeah, but how important is it to to get that variety? Or, or can people stick with one thing that they just like doing uh, and just just do variations of that? Uh, yeah, I think it's pretty important. Um, I think you know, with anything, it's you know, adherence. I guess is really important, right? So whether it's you know medical, clinical, fitness, or, or nutritional, if if you don't stick to something, then it's not going to work in most cases. So I think it's important to find something that you enjoy, um, and sometimes you need to try different things and mix things up to do that. Um, and I think also thinking about the different benefits that we get from various types of exercise. So, you know, you've got your strength training, which is super important for so many reasons. Um, you know, we've got cardiovascular fitness is, is super important. And sometimes the two don't cross over as much to achieve, you know, those, those desired outcomes. And then you've, of course, then got your mobility, um, you know, and then you've got your mindfulness and those sort of things as well. So I think if you can find a strike, a healthy balance of all of those things, then amazing. Um, but again, going back to that time restriction that a lot of people talk about, uh, that's not always possible. So sometimes yeah. it is, I guess, trying to find the thing that you enjoy the most because, you know, it's, it's like the saying, isn't it? You know, um, you know, 50% of something is better than 100% of nothing. So as long as we're doing something, then, then that's good. Um, and if we can then try and blend it a little bit, then, then all the better. Yeah. And w- w- when, when people fall off the wagon, let's say, like they, they've got on onto their exercise regime and then they have a couple of weeks off for whatever reason, maybe they went on a holiday, maybe it's the festive period. Like what, how, how do you sort of get them motivated back into like the same exercise regime? And, and, and is there a, a nicer way of like onboarding them back onto it? Yeah, it's a good question. And uh, I mentioned that I think incompetence was one of the biggest reasons people quit. Breaking routines probably up there as well on par, I'd say. So it's, it's sometimes tough. Um, and, and I guess, you know, it's, it's about just getting back on the horse as quickly as possible. Um, I think it's very easy to come back from a holiday or a break and, you know, and then take a week to recover from that. And then that becomes two or three weeks. And I think the longer you are out of the, you know, the domain or away from whatever it is you're doing, um, the, the harder it is to, to get back to it. Um, I think from you know a personal training perspective, um, I think it's sometimes just about using that as an opportunity to, to kind of reassess you know where we've got to at that point. Um, you know, is it time to sort of review the goals and then maybe set new ones? And again, it's almost like reverting back to basics. It's like that cycle yeah. where okay, there's been a breaking routine. Let's reestablish some of those habits. So let's set some some short term behavioural goals. Let's smash those at the park. And then we'll start building in some 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 outcome driven sort of um, goals where we can then start working towards something to keep you going longer term. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I think right at the start of this conversation, it's so important to to establish those foundations of the why you're doing what you're doing, uh, what the routines would look like, and and ultimately what you enjoy and keep you on that uh, that fitness journey. This is yeah, this has been brilliant. I'm going to start putting some of these tips in myself now. So good, I hope so. <laughs> I have a nice routine. <laughs> Well, thanks so much, Paul. Honestly, this is great. Uh, I really appreciate you uh, giving the time and uh, I'll probably catch you at Nuffield soon. Yeah, look forward to it. Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening to this week's bonus episode. And if, like me, you like to try all sorts of different activities to, t- to keep fit, I'd take a look at Nuffled Healthers. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Fitness and wellbeing centers. They have swimming pools, a wide range of classes, expert personal training, of course, as well as access to health and wellbeing services such as physiotherapy, health assessments, and mental health. And for a limited time, they're running a joining program to new members to get the rest of the month's membership fee for free. You can find out more at nuffledhealth.com forward slash gyms and the link is in the show notes.